Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. There's a case that deals with the limits of religious liberty. We're going to take a look at it with Andrea Pichotti Bear. She's director of the Conscience Project and a legal analyst for EWTN News. Uh, you can visit her work at conscience-project.org and follow her on Twitter at Bear, B-A-Y-E-R, Pichotti, P-I-C-C-I-O-T-T-I. We'll have it linked, of course, at our site. Andrea, good to have you with me. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation, Al. Tell me who John Ramirez is. Well, that's a really good question. Um, it's in part important to know who he uh, murdered. And in in many respects, John Ramirez in the early 2000s was a man that was struggling with drugs and addiction. And after a several-day drug binge, came upon Pablo Castro, a uh, father of nine who worked at a convenience store in Texas, and he took Pablo's life, uh, stabbing him over 20 times and stealing out of Mr. Castro's pockets all the money he had, which totaled Al a dollar and 25 cents. Mercy. Um, yeah, mercy, oh. right? Um, Mr. Ramirez then fled uh, the United States, was, was uh, a fugitive in Mexico, and later picked up and arrested he was charged and convicted for the capital crime of the murder of, of Mr. Castro, and he was sentenced to death. Since then, he's been on death row. Um, his, his execution has been set three different times. And in early September, the Supreme Court stayed his execution um, to address these issues that we're going to talk about now, which is Mr. Ramirez's request for what's called clergy comfort at the time of his execution. He has beautifully found religion and had a relationship with a, a Protestant pastor, a Baptist pastor, uh, Pastor Dana Moore, and he now is requesting that Pastor Moore lay hands on him and pray audibly in the execution chamber at the time of Mr. Ramirez's execution. And the Texas uh, prison officials are, are re- refusing that request. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they are allowing Pastor Moore in the death chamber, which is is a bit of a concession since he's not a state employee. They've changed their their policy in the last year or so to allow for non state employee ministers to be able to accompany death row inmates uh, in the execution chamber. Um, so the state's got a pretty good request um, for maintaining order. Yeah. For reducing, you know, the risks of catastrophic botched executions. Any kind of botched execution yeah. is catastrophic. I imagine but they prize uniformity, right? I mean, they don't want to have too many regimented. special circumstances. Well, it's very regimented, and as it should be, right? This right. is a delicate issue. I'm, I'm not a, a proponent of the death penalty, um, but I do realize the importance of having things go. Um, there's a lot of run-throughs before mm-hmm. that an inmate is put to death. And we also need to know that there are there's a medical team that's observing the procedure as it's going on. Um, there are two people, in addition to the pastor, in a very small death chamber um, as well. And on the other side of the chamber, looking in, are a number of people, including the family members of the victim, Mr. Castro. Mm. So this is this is a really really delicate situation. Being a religious freedom advocate, my initial instinct would be more religious freedom sure. for whoever's asking for it. Yeah. Um, 
But I think, you know, this case really does show that there are many interests that to be, need to be balanced um, in this context. And hopefully the Supreme Court, which has been incredibly pro-religion, right. will be able to face some of these. At least that's what we saw through through oral argument last week. Is there any question whether these are sincerely held beliefs or not? And is that even significant? You know, Al, that's a great question. Normally, whenever anyone asks for a religious accommodation or an exemption, the courts don't look at the sincerity of the beliefs. And we don't want that, right? We don't want somebody to kind of peek in and say, <laughs> well, the Catholic Church says right. something, and you're Catholic, and the Catholic Church allows it. For example, in, in the context of vaccine mandates, there mm-hmm. are a lot of people that are concerned about that, mm-hmm. even though our church leaders say that there's there's aren't moral or ethical sure. problems um, connected. The prison context is slightly different, and we've got a federal law called the Prison Litigation Reform Act that really does limit the amount of requests that people can have to challenge their convictions or to challenge the the conditions of their confinement. That also applies in the death context, and a number of the justices during oral argument last week were concerned about what they would say a never-ending stream of last-minute requests. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we... we this could be a delaying on. tactic, then. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of evidence in there that Mr. Ramirez does have a long-standing relationship with Pastor Moore. Um, there's questions about the need and his belief for the need of the laying on of hands. Sure. Um, and for audible prayer. Um, so that's something that the, the justices are looking at. Justice Clarence Thomas, who is I'm a big fan of him, mm-hmm. he, he questioned, you know, is there evidence there that the state can point to that Ramirez is gaming the system? Um, and so they're, you know, they're looking through, yeah. the state is presenting things, um, you know, R- Ramirez is talking about his sincere belief mm-hmm. in um, accompaniment in this very, very delicate time. But there is some some question as to whether or not he might be taking advantage. I know if I were in a situation, maybe I would. Yeah. As well. Yeah. No. I, yeah. It's hard. I mean, you're looking at the end of your life here. I don't suppose he's especially happy uh, about having to be executed. So yeah, you could imagine he would uh, reach for any uh, port in a storm. Do the do the uh, the interests of the Castro uh, family? Do the children there have any uh, say in this? You know, they did submit a brief to the Supreme Court, and they highlighted basically the the, the challenge and the suffering that they've gone through mm-hmm. um, as Mr. Ramirez's execution um, date has been stayed and there's been delay. Like I mentioned earlier, they are invited. Not all of them want to take advantage of of the opportunity, if I were in their shoes, I'm not sure that I would, right. to view the execution. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's been brought up and then they're coping, they're healing, they're clearly needing you know, support, emotional support to go through all of this. The brief also mentioned um, one of the, the daughters saying, you know, my father didn't have anyone with him yeah. as he was dying. And right. that... that was really emotional for me, um, mm-hmm. and I think it was something that Justice Brett Kavanaugh did point out in oral argument. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very complex issue that doesn't just involve 
the inmate, but it involves society and involves some some people who are still mourning. How strict uh, a standard does um, Ramirez have to meet before the justices? Well, it's interesting. The the burden is actually on the government in this case, because we're dealing with a situation, there's a federal law that governs prison officials and applies in the context of of executions as well, and it's called. It's got a terrible acronym. It's RELUPA, but it's, it's <laughs> but it's um, the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. It applies to federal prisons as well as state and local prisons and jails. It's modeled after the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which mm-hmm. people listening may may remember from uh, the case of the Little Sisters of the Poor. Mm-hmm. The issue is once the government proposes something that interferes with someone's belief, substantially interferes with their beliefs, assuming that it's sincere, then the government needs to prove a compelling interest and that they're in in refusing that it's the least restrictive means possible. So, you know, that's what's called strict scrutiny. Now, there's an issue that Ramirez may need to present as whether he's exhausted his um, administrative remedies, these kinds of um, requirements for prisoners to bring cases uh, in a timely fashion and that sort of thing. There's an issue about the sincerity of his beliefs, but assuming all of those have been met, the burden is on the government to prove that this is really the only way that that we can deal with this issue. Hmm. Uh, When will a decision come down? You know, normally these big, important cases are decided at the end of the term, Mm -hmm. of the court's term in the summer. But because of the delicate matter of setting of an execution date and things like that, Mr. Ramirez's case was stayed. The case was put on what's called an expedited, that's like a super quick briefing schedule. And there was a very, very quick um, designation of the oral argument date. I would assume there will be a decision soon. Now, because Ramirez's um, execution was stayed, the state does have to have you know several months to set a date, prepare, get things organized. So um, one thing is sure, as long as Texas does have the death penalty and it's active, um, Mr. Ramirez will be subjected to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this isn't about whether he'll be put to death or not, but the nature and the method in which he's executed. Is there any history to the, the the laying on of hands at the moment of execution? That's a really great question, and the record's not entirely clear. There are a few states that have, and the federal government, that have come forward and said that in recent executions, there have been chaplains that laid hands on the person or evidence to that effect or spoke and prayed audibly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an overwhelming majority of the states that do allow for the death penalty, but there is evidence. And so there was a lot of discussion in the oral arguments of if there are some jurisdictions that allow it, shouldn't all jurisdictions allow it? And mm-hmm. Texas was really trying to say, look, our situation is unique. Yeah. Our death chamber is not as large as that that's used by the federal government in Indiana. And we really earnestly believe that this is something that could um, interfere with our monitoring and the solemnity 
and and the proper administration of of the the IV intravenous um, execution. So, so it is going to raise issues of you know once somebody does something, should all the all the other states follow? Right, right. I'm not sure. Well, Andrew, thank you. Uh, really appreciate your uh, commentary on this in the National Catholic Register, and uh, I look forward to hearing more. Thank you. Al, thank you again for inviting me on. The remarkable case, and we'll have uh, Andrea's article, or commentary actually, from the National Catholic Register uh, for you. And you can learn more also about the Conscience Project. I'm Al Crestor.